Hello and welcome to the BX Basketball Podcast. I am Nick Englander here with... Christian Okay. You know, this season has sucked. <laughs> like, I, I, am, I am so Right off the gate. NBA season. It has been garbage basketball. It's been COVID. It's been injuries. It has been the least fun season I've had in a long time as a general fan. And good fucking God has it just sucked overall for the Celtics at times. After starting eight and three, they are now thirteen and twelve. They are fourth in the Eastern Conference. Luckily, they're lucky to be fourth. By the way, if the well, East, well, I mean, if the East was better, they'd, they'd yeah, be like twelve points or something. All right, so this is. This is my, I'm not even going to call it emergency Nick bitches about the Celtics podcast, but it basically is emergency Nick bitches about the Celtics podcast. <laughs> this team has, I've gotten to a point with this team after they had an, yet another bad loss to the Detroit Pistons, their second this season. I've hit a point, I, I just, I need to, I need to go in on this and I just, now, I want to preface a few things. This team feels incomplete. That's for sure. You don't watch them and think this is going to be the final team. This team absolutely needs a move. I don't know what that move is, but it needs a move. Well, I, I have ideas, but, you know, then until they happen or if they can happen, then they're just ideas. Um. So, but at the end of the day, this team is 13 and 12. That is unacceptable. So let me explain and go through each part of the team. <laughs> Every yeah, I'm not I'm not holding anything back, by the way. Get your hot cocoa. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I am going in on every single part of this game. So let's talk about the two players I don't have to go in on that much because they've basically done their jobs, and that is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who are 22 and 24 and are young superstars. And it's great to have them. Let me tell you, like both of them are just so fucking good. And yet they, if I have only one complaint, their defense has definitely dropped off a bit this season. And I think especially down the stretch, but I think a lot of that has to do with the greater offensive burden that those two have. I'm going to give them more of a pass on that. I don't think either of them have been perfect. I was pissed off at Jalen Brown last night. Because he was allowing Sadiq Bay to hit seven for seven from three on him, which was unacceptable. But he's playing with knee tendonitis right now, which I'm not a huge fan of. But right. I, also, they, Sadiq Bay has just been pretty damn good. No, he hasn't. That was just like only two games. Really? That was I, good. I mean, in preseason, he's been okay. He was okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. His only two, he. You want to know what his stats are this season? Yeah. Against me. the Celtics from three. Oh, tell me. He is 14 for 18 from three against the Celtics in three games. <laughs> and what's his three-point percentage in the entire season? 36%. Like, oh, my God. I have oh, to – let me Google it. I, I saw something where it said 31% of Sadiq Bey's made threes this season. Oh, my God. That's bad, I'm dude. Boston, so, oh, he's 41.7% from three. But he's only 41% from the field. So that's crazy. 
And I'm be I'm I'm busy watching Pacers Hawks because I hope the Pacers don't get closer to us in the standings. It has come to this, folks. It has come to this. I'm worried about the Pacers and their season. It has not made me happy to say that. Now, the Hawks are up by three, by the way. Um, so the Jays have mostly done their job. Let's talk about the rest of the team because these people have not done their jobs. Not one of them. Not one. Besides maybe Tice. Outside of him, I'm going to go on, on every single player. Or not every single player, but every single thing about this team. Let's start about the team as a whole. The Celtics this season are 29th in fourth quarter defense. Or 20, 28. It was something like that. Why is that? That, that, that? There's a great question for you. Why are the Boston Celtics, who have three of the top 20 defenders in basketball, in my opinion, when they try, why are we 29th in fourth quarter defense? There is no reason. There is no explanation. It is baffling. It is unacceptable. It is absolutely maddening that this team just consistently over and over and over plays bad defense down the stretch, doesn't get the stops they need, and that's why they lose. The Celtics have lost almost every single game this season by under 10 points. They're in basically every single game, very similar to last year. But I almost, I almost put it this way. It feels like last year's Celtics team found a way to win. You know, they just find a way to gut out a game. You know, they, they just pull it out, you know, do what's necessary. Like, but it feels like this year it's kind of like 18, 19 and that they're, we're making the excuses why they lose. Oh, well, the Sadiq Bay shot seven for seven from three. Well, where was the defense on that? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, this happened. Oh, this guy, you know, uh, had a career day. How many fucking times are we going to say this? Until the problem is addressed. This team cannot defend anybody down the stretch of games. And this is pre-Kemba Walker. Who I would like to transition into now. Oh, not the Bronx boy. (laughs) Kemba Walker, I am willing to give time to. And he played better against the Raptors. He was 5 for 13, but he had 23 points. He had five threes. That is all we need from him. We do not need anything more than that. He is the third best player on this team now. But it's kind of obvious that he's not used to this role, and there's definitely fit questions for him on this team in general. He is a guy who is known for scoring, not really passing. His fit next to the Jays as an undersized point guard who's lost a lot of athleticism, like I said, is kind of questionable. It's... He... I think his defense this year has actually been a little better. And I'll say this. Here's what I don't understand, and Christian, what I've told you multiple times. He's moving fine. You watch him out there. He's just as quick. He may not have mm-hmm. like the explosive finishing ability, but I don't need him to do that because that game's, that his, that part of his game is not going to age well. I always wanted him to change. You know, mm-hmm. I'm fine with him taking jumpers. I'm fine with it. The problem is he's not making them consistently. He's had mul- he had two straight games of four for eighteen and two for twelve. I think oh. more than anything, it's mental. 
I mean, everyone around him says it's mental. Danny, coach, Kemba, they all say it's not his knee. You know, they all say it's just mentally he's not there. But at some point he's got to be there or we're not going far at all. That's a fact. And also for those who want to trade him, well, he has no fucking trade value. So what the hell are we going to do? You know? Right. And also who would trade for him? Exactly. He has no trade value at his contract, right? So that's a non-starter. Here's another problem. Everyone else besides Kemba Walker, the supporting cast, Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams, um, Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice. You know, Daniel Tice. I will give Tice credit. Tice has been very good recently. He shot like 45% up until last night from three. That's in, that's impressive. That's very, very impressive. The problem is they're so in pain Pritchard too. They're so inconsistent. So inconsistent. And when you're that inconsistent, you can't be good. You know, I I'm listen, I'm about to get to Brad in a second and Danny, but more we could talk about Danny with this. When the Celtics lost Gordon Hayward. I said to you and Paul, and you guys kind of scoffed at the idea that we were going to miss him pretty badly. And we did. We we have. There, It's so obvious. The guy we're missing on this team, I get it. He was hurt for us a lot. He choked a lot in crunch time. I understand that. But at the end of the day, over the course of a regular season, we badly missed a guy like him. He is someone who has always been... Like, whenever guys were out, whenever Brown was out, Tatum was out, if he was in, you know, he'd up his role, he'd play better, especially against these worst teams. The Celtics last year lost to a lot, I mean, a lot less worse teams than we do now, simply because we had Gordon Hayward, who would bail us out. When the Celtics don't make shots this year, because they have a bunch of spot-up shooters and non-creators, we, we suck, like we did against the Pistons. Like... That's where we miss Gordon Hayward, a guy who could create his own offense, a guy who could take pressure off Tatum and Brown. I'm not saying we need to get a guy as good as him next to Tatum and Brown with that trade exception, but if Danny Ainge does not use that trade exception, or at least we have another one for cancer too, if if John Collins shakes loose, I don't think that's going to happen, but even if he does, I think he'd be a rental. But Danny cannot sit on what we have now. Because what we have now are a bunch of dudes on their rookie contracts. And when they're that young, they're going to be inconsistent as hell. Tristan Thompson, as a signing, I think has been okay. I think at times he's been good. At times he's been bad. He hasn't been the game changer. I hope he would. I hoped he would be. But he, I wouldn't say he's been a bad signing per se. A lot of fans are like, well, why didn't we use the mid-level on a wing? And I'm like, well, there was no good wing out there, which if you look, there was none outside of Jay Crowder. And Jay Crowder is a lot of ill will towards the Celtics because of the Gordon Hayward situation. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of doubt he would ever come back here. Um, and I, so I don't blame them for using it on Thompson. The problem is you clearly went into the season with that trade exception and basically came in with the idea that instead of taking, supposedly taking Miles Turner, no one really knows how true that was. If you believe Gordon Hayward, it wasn't really true, but no one really knows how, you know, 
if Miles Turner really was available, yada, 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 yada. Um, at the end of the day, he didn't pick the Pacers. He picked the Hornets. Um, so this, so this Celtics team is clearly left at a hole because outside of Tatum and Brown, there's nobody in the starting lineup that can take pressure off Tatum and Brown offensively and defensively. Ideally, you want to slot a guy like Jeremy Grant in there, but you can't expect a team to trade him. Here's the problem with not taking Miles Turner if that was an option. If you get no one with that trade exception, like Christian, like we were talking about today, Mm -hmm. stupid move, you know, like why would you take that trade exception unless you're going to use it at the deadline? Now, Danny claims he does, but he's got to prove it. You know, he gave up multiple uh, second round picks to get that trade exception. So he should, he should use it. The problem is what if guys that we want aren't available? Harrison Barnes, supposedly not available. Uh, who, who am I forgetting? Um, uh, they're Aaron all Gordon. Aaron Gordon. John Collins, right? John Collins, supposedly not available. Guys like that, you know, you don't need guys as good as Hayward. You just need impact players. And there aren't a lot of them available. Like, and plus some that are like a PJ Tucker are kind of washed. So that's the issue. Um, basically the Celtics, I watch them and are an income are an incomplete team. Really more than ever. Danny Ainge has to know that Tatum and Brown are no longer on their rookie contracts. That time is up. They're on their extensions. Now the clock is ticking. You cannot sit on what you have anymore. You have to go for it at some point. And considering how well they've played, this is the season. Like, this is the season to do it. I'm watching the Hawks. The Hawks just took an eight-point lead. And I watch a guy like Danilo Gallinari, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he hurt a lot, but someone like that. Someone of that caliber, you know? He could make a major impact on the Celtics just for taking the offensive load off Jason Tatum, off Jalen Brown. You know, could be great for this team. But... I mean, you got to get someone like that available. So really, on Danny, more than anything, it, the pressure's on. Brad Stevens. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I don't blame him for everything. He's not working with a great roster. I don't think anyone would, outside of Tatum and Brown, he, he has to give Kemba these opportunities. He can't just say, all right, Kemba, you're playing 15 minutes a game when he's a max player, you know? You got to let him shoot through that. I don't blame him for letting Kemba go. Here's the problem. We have no wing depth. We're playing uh, Javante Green and Shemi Ojale 20 plus minutes some games. Neither of those guys are that good. Shemi's been better this year, but Javante Green, for example, right? Good defender, good hustle guy, great 15th man, about as good as you can get. Great athlete. You know, in some situations, is valuable. Like when he, against the Warriors, we played him and he chased Steph pretty well. He did a pretty good job. But we drafted mm-hmm. a wing at, at 14. Why isn't he playing? Like Aaron Neesmith is either the worst player ever because we have had bodies down and he still can't get in the fucking game. Or I, I don't get it. Why doesn't Brad play him? I, okay. Here's, a, here's an example, right? The Celtics were 9-6. They played the Bulls in Chicago. It was an easy win for the Celtics. Aaron Neesmith hit three threes in that game. He was three for five, right? And Brad Stevens said, 
I'm going to give him opportunities. He's going to get a shot. Since then, he has not played meaningful minutes in nine straight games. <sighs> Why is he not playing? I, I, if, if, is he garbage in practice? Fine. I don't give a shit. We don't have enough shooting on this team. Javante Green is a non-threat on offense. When you have a non-threat on offense, teams can double Tatum and Brown. And if they double Tatum and Brown, we're fucked. That's the point. Our offense is fucked. So, at some point, you got to play him. And if you're not going to play him, dude, honestly, you got to trade him. He's more win-now mode. And you can't afford to develop a guy, you know? And I, I don't want to hear, oh, this isn't the season. Like, I, at the end of the day, 22 and 24, I get it. They're young, but they're not on their rookie deals anymore. They're not going to be on their rookie deals forever. You got to keep them happy by winning basketball games. So if Aaron e. Smith can't play, then you got to move him because you can't afford to have a guy wasting a roster spot on a team that's supposedly a finals contender, which are which we are definitely not playing like one right now. We started eight and three, and the minute Tatum got COVID, this season you know has been fucked. Since then, we are five and. 10, I think. Oh. Five and nine. Five and nine. That's still bad, though. His return, he has not fit in seamlessly, which has not helped. Now, granted, a lot of those losses are understandable losses. They lost to Utah on the road. They lost to Phoenix on the road. They lost to Philly twice without Tatum. These are all understandable, right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, you got to win games you're not expected to. To go above and beyond type of games, you know? The Celtics beat the Clippers this year without Paul George. But they didn't have Jalen Brown. That was a game I remember when we won, and I was like, this could You were be- very excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this could be it. Because the the way they won the game, their 29th and fourth quarter defense, right? Mm-hmm. In that game, they stopped Kawhi Leonard twice down the stretch. Shemi Ojale did. It was very, very impressive. And a win like that, I was like, we grinded that out. We didn't shoot great. Kemba played well. He had like 24. Like, that game was extremely promising. And after that, we lost to Phoenix in Utah, beat Toronto, but that's just basically because we shot lights out, and then lost to Detroit. This team has no consistency at all. I mean, they they just, they're incapable of being consistent. I mean, as much as I've hated on Brad in this, you know, in this pod so far, he did say it kind of best when he said, you know, this team, there's a big difference in the NBA between being capable and consistent. And this team is in the capable and not in the consistent, which is a major, major problem. Like at some point, you got to be on the consistent side. I just... It's just a very frustrating team. And honestly, they've not been playing a very fun style. They are consistently at the bottom of the league against the uh, – they are consistently at the bottom of the league in fourth quarter defense and assists. Brad is always like, why don't we pass the ball more? Well, maybe if you didn't run the same fucking play every time down, spread pick and roll and watch Tatum and Brown get doubled, maybe we would pass the ball more. Like I said, it doesn't feel like the 18 and 19 Celtics because it feels like they're, they can be fixed. It feels like this team, it's not just chemistry, you know? Like, Tim and Brown, the way they talk after games, they don't sound like guys that, like, hate everybody on the team. Oh, Kyrie. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's not a Kyrie situation, right? The right. problem is they just can't, they just can't, you know, like, they, they, they just can't get any consistency. They feel incomplete every time you watch them. I, it absolutely drives me nuts when I see Brad call for Javante Green and not call for Aaron Neesmith. I cannot tell you how upset I get every single time. I'm like, why, why, why? He can't shoot. Like, every time he's in, Tatum gets All right. The most revealing stat of last night, really all you have to say about this Celtics team. Mm -hmm. Jason Tatum played 41 minutes last night on a back-to-back. Oh, goddamn. We still lost to Detroit, and to make it worse, do you want to know how bad we were in the minutes without Tatum in the game? Tell me. (laughs) What was your plus minus? Minus 15 in seven minutes. He didn't play. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Jalen Brown has is not capable, as great as he is, of carrying an offense without Tatum. I know we didn't have Kemba Walker. I know Marcus Smart is hurt, and that doesn't help. I know that um, Romeo Langford, a guy who is expected to make have a much bigger role this season, I know he's been hurt like the whole year and is probably not going to be back until after the All-Star break. <sighs> But I don't care. Like, I don't care. At this point, if you – Danny Ainge did not give I, – I get wanting to be patient and wait, but then you got to play everybody. you got to evaluate everybody. If Aaron Neesmith gets on the court and sucks, at least you've seen it. Like, he showed he can be good against the Bulls, and then Brad just doesn't play him. It, it's just completely baffling. When you have a fourth starter that's Shemi Ojale – Fine, you'll get that one like he that game he had against Toronto where he had like twenty six, and you'll have games where he scores like two because he's not that good. <laughs> to be honest with you, to make it worse, we have a rookie this year and Peyton Pritchard who has been way above. Amazing, yeah, right. he's been way above and beyond what we all thought he was going to be. And that pick, I think you and I would agree, he's probably been our best addition. I think. Even over Thompson, and I, I like what I've seen from Thompson at times. He's a very good rebounder for sure. He's lived up to that reputation. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't been a game changer. You know, I don't watch him and I'm like, game changer. Right. And with, with Pritchard at times, I've said that. And, but uh, it's just, he's, Pritchard has replaced Hayward in a way with his playmaking, but asking a rookie to do that is insane. It's such an unrealistic expectation. It's just, it's a very frustrating team. And at the end of the day, Brad, Danny, and the players all deserve blame. And I think if it, if this, I, I, we're playing the Wizards next, you'd be like, oh, should be a win, right? But like, why would I be confident? Like, why? Like, give me one good reason. <laughs> like, this team can barely beat the Pistons. Why the hell would I be confident that they're going to go out and beat Bradley Beal? Like, what has this team shown me to indicate that? And as the Pacers take the lead, phenomenal. Um, I just... This team, I don't really... You don't watch... I, I don't think, like, when I watch them, I'm not like, okay, 
I know what's wrong with them. It's easy to diagnose outside of the wing depth. You watch them and think, you know, they're really capable of being great, but they just aren't, you know, like, and when they're not, you're not going to win a championship. You're not going to be a finals contender. It's that simple. And I don't know. I screamed even more than this last night, but it just feels like the same shit. It just feels like the same shit with the Celtics. It's almost like, it's like my brother says, you know, they're going to lose in the second quarter of games like that. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like you just know it. They're down two and you're just like, I, I have no confidence they're going to win this game. They're down two at halftime. And I just remember thinking like, I don't think we're going to win. They, they just don't. They don't play with the consistency, the effort that it needs. I know I'm repeating myself over and over, but this team has frustrated the fucking shit out of me. And has done, to be honest, I feel like the bare minimum. Every time they've hovered around 500, right, like they are now, they go out and win the next game and then lose. You know, they're like, oh, let's create a cushion uh, to for this team to finally get under uh, or to finally get like two or three games above 500 and really compete for like a two or three seed in the Eastern conference. And then they just go out and lose their next few games. Mm. I'm just fed up, man. I'm fed up with this. I, I, I really am. I just, this team has just over and over shot itself in the foot and made mistakes. And honestly, the front office, the GM do not look as good as they do three years ago. And really at the end of the day, the pressure is on Danny. If Danny does not do anything, then this team is a second round ceiling. I'm sorry. Like it is. They don't play with the consistency of anything more than that. And they they don't deserve to be like an Eastern Conference Finals Finals contender when every night you don't know what the fuck they're getting you're getting from them. Like I mean, come on. It, it's just ridiculous. Every every freaking night you just one night you're like, all right, they're gonna go out, they're gonna play well. The next night they're gonna go out and they're gonna suck. Like we we shot like twenty for thirty nine against the Raptors from three, and then the next night we shoot like seven for thirty. Like I don't know, I'm I'm venting. I'd be curious to see an outsider's take on this, so Christian. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, uh, I think we've. I'm not sure if I've said this on the podcast before. I definitely have said it to you, but. Um, so first of all, the, all the things Danny Ainge has done over the last couple of years has been tremendous. If you remember, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, the Celtics were one of the worst teams in the league. They were bad. Yeah, we but were they had seven. Right. But they had the Nets picks, so Danny was able to rebuild very fast. Um, and regardless of all of that, there's been numerous times where teams have rebuilt, like the Thunder, like, you know, the Rockets. It, this it's just a part of the game and the thing i've said before and the thing a lot of people say because it's true and especially in the nba you don't know when your window is going to close you really don't um if you if i think if if you me and we and we had paul if we went back you know 12 years ago to around 2010 2011 we all probably thought the thunder were going to win three or four championships right I mean, they had Durant, Westbrook, Harden, yeah, Ibaka. They're the greatest group of young talent we had seen in 20, 30 years. And they won zero championships. Yeah. 
Well, that means, and, that, and this is the thing, you have to strike while the iron is hot. You guys, so the thing is, you know, you guys have obviously Tatum and Brown, who I think can be one, it can be number the number one and number two option. But, and I've been telling, and I've been saying this to Nick for the last two years now, when will the Celtics, the Celtics to me feel like they are Portland of the Eastern Conference. And maybe that's pushing it still because there's time to change that. But what I mean by that is this, the Portland Trailblazers are always in the second round or in the conference finals, but they never get to the finals. They always have a good team, but they can never get over that hump. And I just feel like Boston, you guys are at that point where you're 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 gonna be a bridesmaid, but never the bride. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know, I don't really know what can push you guys over the next level. Is it Kemba getting back into shape? Is it the team being healthy? And this is another problem with the NBA. So, like you mentioned, Nick, you guys had Tatum and you had Brown on rookie deals. So you were able to build around those guys before you had to pay them. Well, now you paid them. And you're paying Kemba Walker a shit ton of money, which means that you basically are saying, okay, these are the three guys we're going to have to rely on for the next three to five years. And unfortunately, that means that the rest of the team is going to be kind of crutched because you're going to have to rely on guys like Peyton Pritchard and Neesmith and... You know, veterans like Teague, who... Teague is awful. Forgot to rant about He's that. washed. He's, He's washed, terrible. basically. Right. So this is the thing, and this is why it is a lesson in history. Just because you have a lot of assets and you have all these things, it doesn't mean that you're going to win. So you have to strike while the iron is hot. And, you know, I haven't obviously been watching a lot of Celtics games. But I watched one game, and... It was the Knicks playing you guys, and we blew you guys out by 30, which is, like, crazy. That should not yeah. happen at, in Boston, by the way, which is insane. Um, but to me, I'm still not going to, again, I'm still not going to wave the white flag because the season has been very weird. There's still a lot of time to get better. I feel like once you guys get healthy, and if Danny Ainge does use that trade exception, you guys will have a good team, but... And I think I said this last year when you guys lost. If you guys get to the conference final this year and don't win, I think it's time to get rid of Danny Ainge and both Brad Stevens because how, how many opportunities are you going to get? I mean, before you know it, Tatum is going to be 26, 27. His contract's going to be, he's going to have one year left. And you might say, oh, he's, you might say, oh, he wants to be a Celtic forever. Well, you know how many players say that and they end up being I traded or leaving? No, it, it's, it's just on the surface stuff for sure. So you, so, this is a very cru- this is a very crucial time in the organization's it, this is a very crucial time for the organization is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because no, you don't you because again look back at the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think every fan and every NBA fan probably thought this team is going to win two or three titles in the next decade. They, they're the next dynasty and they have zero championships. So you could say, we have all these assets, we have all these picks, we've done all this and that. If you don't have the champions to prove it, that shit doesn't matter. So if you are Danny Ainge, you have to, have to get this team to the finals and win it. It can't just be we got to the finals, woohoo. Because if you guys lose in five, in the finals, that doesn't really, then, you know, then what? That basically just means this is a team that can get to the finals if you're lucky. Yeah. It's, um... 
it's like every little move matters now. It's like you, you you can't just be like, oh, well, we got some development guys, you know, the James Youngs of the world uh, back in the day. Like it doesn't you can't do that anymore. But it looks like the Pacers are going to tie us in the standings, which is dandy. Thanks, Atlanta Hawks, uh, who had an eight point lead in the fourth and then choked it. Um, and by the way, they're actually one of the more disappointing teams in the league this season. But the like every move matters, you know, every single one. And like you said, we sat on our assets. Some of the time I thought it was a good idea. A lot of time I did like the people that were trying to throw Tatum and Brown and for deals for guys that had like one or two years left, like trading Tatum for Butler was brought up, you know, with the pick that became Tatum for Butler. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't like the idea of trading the Nets picks unless we got someone like ridiculously good, you know? Right. And, and on like multi years. Yeah, that's it. Fuck you Hawks. Um, (laughs) but, um, sorry. Also, apparently Draymond Green might have a serious injury. Oh, no. He left the court to walk to the locker room on his own power, though. Oh, okay. He let, felt left. Oh, oh, he's grabbing the bat. He's grabbing his calf. He might have torn it, maybe, or like strained it. He's grabbing his meniscus area. Oh, no penalty to meniscus there. Yeesh. Um,. But getting back to your point, yeah, like it's every move matters for this team. We we saved all those assets for Anthony Davis, and that ended up being a bad move. Snake eyes, yeah, like that move really cost us, and it's just it's so disappointing, just year in and year out, that this team just. it's like I think someone put it best right the team could have used those picks to make small upgrades you know small consolidation moves and we didn't do that and that really burned us now the 1819 team had all the talent in the world that could have been that was a disaster of a season though yeah that was because of too much talent right and you could argue we could have consolidated that year. We probably should have traded Rozier and Morris. But at least for that year with Danny, you can't really say he didn't get enough talent. He just had too much, you know? Right. Which well, you know, I think, well, you know, I think another thing is just you guys have been very unlucky, too. because Yeah, with the injuries, like Kevin Walker was an Iron Man in Charlotte, and now... Right. But the, the, the thing that strikes me the most is, you know, you, you have... You just drafted Tatum. You had Brown. You just traded for Kemba. You just got Gordon Haywood. In the first game of the season, he breaks his leg and basically just yeah. derails his entire five-year stint with Boston. I've said before, this Celtics is this franchise is cursed since Isaiah Thomas uh, trading him when he was hurt. But honestly, we've been cursed since 08. The minute after the minute we ro- raised the banner in 08. I mean, the years after that, we had a, a major injury in the playoffs every single year. Like, like I said, 09, it was KG. 2010 was Perkins tearing his ACL. 2011 um, was Rondo. Shaq never being healthy. Like, oh, yeah. 2012 was uh, Avery Bradley being out for the playoffs with a torn meniscus or something, whatever it was. Strain hamstring, whatever it was. Um, 
every single year this team has a major injury. Like this team is getting yes, we have bad luck. I understand that. Even in that last game against Detroit, Sadiq Bay normally doesn't shoot seven for seven from three. That is rare. And I think to blame us for that is partially fair and partially not. Um but it's pretty obvious that this team, like this team, the Kemba Walker thing and Gordon Hayward, like you said, both of those guys were basically Iron Men and other teams, and now they're getting hurt for us all the time. It, it's it's extremely unlucky in a lot of ways, but the fact is, is we made some moves that have been questionable in the last few years. The Kemba, hey, Rozier's outplayed Kemba this year, and I hate Terry Rozier. What he did in eighteen nineteen. Fuck him for that. He didn't give a shit about anyone else on the team. He shot us out of every single game, it felt like. And the starting lineup would always have to bring us back because Rozier was so fucking bad that he would literally shoot us out of games. Um, it, it's, just that, it's just that simple. Like, now, now for the fan, the, the problem with firing Brad and Danny is this. You got to get someone who's just as good. You know, you don't just fire Brad Stevens to fire Brad Stevens. Because if if you're not hiring Steve Kerr, you're not hiring, I don't know. Uh, Popovich, like. Popovich, but here's, yeah. But, here, but here's the thing, Nick. If you're hiring Brad Stevens to hire Nate McMillan, then that's a downgrade. Yeah, right. But here's the thing, Nick. So, now I don't know if you guys are on the same boat as the Warriors were, but I think the Warriors had to fire Mark Jackson. And when they got Steve Kerr, that's sometimes sometimes the coach you have can get you to one point, but he can't get you over the hump. And I just feel like Brad Stevens can get you to that point, but he's never going to get you guys over the hump. He just I feel like his game planning, his decision making with timeouts, it's just I don't know. There's something very like off about it. It's very off about it. His offense this year has been incredibly uncreative, and. Mm-hmm. Like really uncreative. Like I said, it, every play's the same when they go down. It's just you know, spread pick and roll for Tatum and Brown. Everyone else stands around. Nobody moves. You know, like it's. It, it felt like years ago our offense was way more creative than this, and this year we're just not really running that many plays. Sometimes Brad brings out his ATO plays, which are amazing. You know, mm-hmm. um, but. A lot of times it's just it's not really there and it doesn't really work. And I, I think this it's just very, very frustrating to have to constantly, you know, for this team to just have to constantly bang your head against the wall um, and just not play and just not play up to your standard. And I think um, I think this team just doesn't play up to their stand as they should every single night. And that's on, on, that's partially on the coach. Like I said, the biggest issue I've had with Brad this year uh, is those two things. It's offensive. Uh, it's the offense not being creative at all. And we shoot way too many mid-range shots for a team that should be shooting threes. And not playing Aaron Neesmith. That move is just really baffling to me. Like, I get it. He could be sucking in practice. But, but here's why the not thing. Give him a chance. You know, like right. that's what... and, and, you know, right, right. And I was gonna say this. Here's the thing. And this is kind of this is kind of the thing that annoys me about NFL teams. 
when they draft their new young rookie quarterback, they end up playing the veteran. It's like, why are you doing that? You're wasting development for the young guy because you know what the veteran has. He's not getting you over the hump. That's why you got to play the young guy, see what he can do, see the mistakes he can make so he can learn from them. It's kind of the same thing in the NBA, which it annoys me that when like a veteran like an Alfred Payton would start over an Emmanuel quickly because it's like, you know what Alfred Payton has. So same thing yeah. with, with Neesmith. Like, you got to see what he has. Is he going to be a contributor to your team or did you just get a dud and you got to move on from him even though it's still early? By the way, Sadiq Bay, obviously, like I said, killing us Alex this year. You know who we picked Aaron Neesmith over? Sadiq Bay. Bay. Yep. <laughs> That's another thing. I um. Now, every time, every time you mentioned this a lot, Nick, is that like how the the Celtics almost get people, and again, yeah. that's in the draft especially. I feel like we should also critique Danny for his drafting because, you know, a, a couple of his it's late round picks have been pretty questionable. That's what I was gonna say. Like a lot of those guys. Now, granted, maybe some teams like I know you said you almost got Tyler Hero and a bunch of other guys, and you just that had was some just shit unlucky. luck. Yeah. That was- I'll put it this way. My thoughts on Danny's drafting. I think he, mm-hmm. I think he's a great drafter in the top 10. He picked Marcus Smart. He picked Tatum and he picked Brown. He right. clearly knows what he's doing at the top of the draft. Right. He but passed on, passing on Fultz for Tatum was the best move. Genius. Was the best move yes. this franchise made since trading Paul Pierre. I mean, not, well, yeah, since the Nets trade. Yes. Uh, um, that move at the time got killed in Boston and he was right. You know, he was right. He was always right about that. Um, picking Jalen Brown at number three, no one thought that pick was good, except except Danny, you know? And Danny really believed in those two guys, and to his, and we should give him immense props for that. Right. And but and picking Marcus Smart was a good pick, too, at, his, at the spot we did. In the late first round, he's picked a lot of duds. I can go on for a long time. Even after the Celtics won the championship, he picked J.R. Giddens over DeAndre Jordan, even though everyone wanted DeAndre Jordan. J.R. Giddens was like barely even a prospect. I don't know who the hell that is. Like Danny loves picking guys who are reaches late in the first round. He loves doing it. Um, I thought the Grant Williams pick was great last year. I, I really did, but I think this year he's not... He's almost taken like he's had moments, but he really hasn't taken what he should have, which is a step forward. I thought he was going to be that starter and he was going to kind of lock it down until Kemba came back. But he just defensively, he made such a huge impact last year. And this year he just hasn't, you know, he's had moments, but he just isn't that same guy. Um, who else am I looking at? Uh, Payne Pritchard might have been the best late round pick he had since Rondo. And I mean, I think I think we're I think we're probably going to be debating, and again, it's still early. But who's the better steal? Is it Emmanuel Quickly or is it Peyton Pritchard? Oh, by quickly. the way, no, it's by quickly. the way, Emmanuel Quickly six of six tonight with sixteen points, baby. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you got you guys are beating Houston. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, like Peyton Pritchard, even though we didn't get Quickly, was a very very good pick. But we also traded Desmond Bain in a salary dump, the pick that became Anis, uh, for the Canner. Salary dump. That's the thing. It, it felt like some people said the team almost planned for like it being Hayward's either going to return or get traded to the Pacers, and then he went to Charlotte, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of a miscalculation, you could say. On but could they? Part. But, but could they have got um, Devonte Graham with the with the 
with the trade exception? No, no, they weren't doing that. Because I was going to say, he could be, I think he would be a tremendous sixth man for your team. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I love Pritchard and the way he's played this year, but but he's a rookie. You know, like you can't ask him to do it every night. Like he right. had twenty, he had twenty against the Raptors, and he had two against the Pistons. You can't ask him to do it every single night. Um, right. I kind of said it to my brother, but it almost feels like the Heat this year and the Celtics are kind of the same team. That both teams are coming off a major playoff run. Obviously, the Heat went a little longer than us. But the Heat came out and have really struggled, and we've come out and have pretty kind of struggled. We came out great to start and then just kind of fell apart once Tatum got COVID. Um, but it kind of feels like we're both kind of that gray area. We both need that number four option almost, you know, that could mm-hmm. really take – for them take the pressure off Jimmy and Bam, for us take the pressure off Tatum and Brown. Um, right, or if you're playing, or or if you're Miami, you can just you know get 36 free throws to 16. Then uh, the last game we played them, fuckers. <laughs> 36 yeah. to 19 free throw disparity. And by the way, Jimmy Butler definitely hand checked RJ in the layup there, but they're not gonna call it. So it's oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was, I was, that was, that was very debatable. When I saw, I was like, I just remember saying, ooh, when I saw that, I was like, that might have been a foul. <laughs> No, but um, no, I definitely see what you mean. I, I think, I think the problem also with the Celtics is like, like you said, Nick. Again, relying on young guys is a very dangerous thing in in the league. Um, so that's why you gotta hope that if you're drafting like Danny in the late rounds, you gotta hit on them because, again, now you have Tatum, who's gonna be he's a max player. Jalen Brown, you've paid max money. Kemba's getting max money. You don't have a lot of options to kind of fix the roster with the holes. So you got to rely on guys like a Marcus Smart, who's getting paid a lot of money as well, and guys like Peyton Pritchard. But you got to hope that they play well. And again, you got to rely on scrub veterans like Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson, and hope that they still got some juice left in the tank. Jeff Teague, man, he had sixteen <laughs> points in the first game against Milwaukee, and we were all declaring, "What a signing! He's gonna be great. Oh, he's gonna make such a difference. He's so much better than Brad Wanamaker." Now, granted. Wanamaker has not been good at all this season, but even he, he understood what Jeff Teague doesn't, which is pass the ball to Tatum, pass the ball to Brown, run to the corner. That's all you do. Jeff Teague consistently fucks that up, which I don't know how that's possible <laughs> considering they're both so fucking tall, but like, <laughs> wait, I got a question. Yeah. Listen, um, Knicks fans, we hate Alfred Payton, and I feel bad because like EP. Are you asking what I trade Jeff Teague for Alfred Payton? Yeah, so would you do that deal? <laughs> oh, honestly, oh yeah. Honestly, like, listen, EP coming off a bench, I think he could be serviceable because he's he's a good defender. Now, does he have the tunnel vision when he's driving? Yes, but he gets into paint pretty relatively easily, and I feel like he could be setting up Tatum and Brown from the corners. Do you want me to even go more crazy? Because I can't. Because last night. Jeff T didn't suck. <laughs> he had eight points. He made two threes. He had two assists and two turnovers. That was one of his best games of the season. And oh. we still lost, despite Jeff T actually doing something. I can, I have said before, I think at this point, I, I do not see how Isaiah Thomas could be any worse than it. Even Alfred Payton. I don't understand how Alfred Payton or someone that could be any worse than Jeff T. Like, 
He's so bad on both ends. It's almost comical. But the thing is, last year, he wasn't nearly this bad. That's what I don't understand. You know? Like, he was washed, but he wasn't this bad. And yet, for us, after he's killed us for years... He sucks. He sucks. Well, you know, oh, I think... Draymond I, I, Green... Um, Oh, wow, he's starting the second half. Oh, shit, okay. Then. Okay, so I guess he's good. <laughs> yeah, but this was a knee injury, which is, yikes. Maybe, um, maybe he sprained it. Um, I was yeah. going to say, what was I going to say? It's like the point is, is that it feels like this team needs a guy next to Tatum and Brown. Like I said, I repeat myself again, but the guy like that who's perfect, We've all, every Celtics fan agreed for that trade exception is Harrison Barnes. I don't think anyone would disagree that he next to Tatum and Brown could be a perfect fit. It could also bump Smart to the bench. And Pritchard and Smart have been a very effective combo this season because Pritchard mm-hmm. is like the offense and Smart's like the defense. Um, right. What about but, Ricky Rubio? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, I would say Julius Randle if the Knicks were offering, but I don't, I don't know how he would fit. fit. Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, because he, no, I, I, yeah, I don't know how that that wouldn't work out. I just think, you know, I sorry. think another problem though, Nick, is that, and I think this is like, this is why there's so many like random ass teams in the playoff mix, like the Knicks and the Cavs, is that the COVID situation, the lack of training camp, it just it's it's kind of like teams are still trying to figure each other out, you know? Like teams are yeah. still trying to get the chemistry together and with injuries and the COVID protocol. I mean, look, KD's missed what 10 games with COVID. Yeah, some of that. So that's why I'm still kind of like that's why I'm still like, waiting for like the halfway point of the season. We're a quarter of the way through, but we gotta see it halfway through. If the team is still struggling, then I think you have to raise some red flags of concern. But you know, maybe Kemba will finally get it together. I I think he will, but we, but again, it's we really don't know. I he, I think the only thing with Kemba that really concerns me, like I said, his finishing at the rim is not as good as it used to be. You could tell mm-hmm. he gets blocked a lot, but I don't want him to be a guy that's barreling to the basket at thirty. You know, like to, yeah. I want him to shoot threes and jumpers. That's going to extend his career. Be like Chris Paul. Like, right. I, I don't want him, you know, just all over the court and and uh, just just doing like stupid shit. It's <laughs> like I, I just did not stupid shit. That's unfair. But barreling to the basket that that game is not, not playing his well. game. Exactly. He's not playing his style of game. Yeah. Like, I just want him to calm the fuck down. And a lot of that's been, you could tell he doesn't know when to shoot, you know, like he, he came, it felt like last game he started to figure out, okay, I'll spot up. I'll shoot threes. He was five for eight from three, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he had 23. That is all we need from him. That is all we need. We don't need him to be an all-star anymore. We have two of them now. We don't need him to be an all-star. We just need him to be good and not get in the way. And he did that. And that's all I wanted from him. Now, I, I'm. I think maybe I'm still worried about him, and I'm still worried that if he's cooked, that's really bad, because then we're gonna have to oh, dump contract. Him. Oh, now the good yeah. news is a lot of teams have cap space in the off season, so you could potentially use a pick and dump him. I my idea, if you get if it gets really dire, is to mm-hmm. trade try to trade him 
to Oklahoma City for George Hill and Al Horford. But because Al, Al Horford's like, contract is egregious, though. Or, yeah, yeah when Al, is playing, Al's playing better this year. He's still not nearly what he was in Boston, but he's still, like, solid. And I, I think but, – but that's just if a, a panic move, you know. Like, right. That's, just that's a dire situation. Really right. And I think – but I think with the rest of the team, it's just like we're asking guys to do too much. Shemi Ojale should not be a starter. I'm sorry. He is a, at times, effective role player, which is great considering last year I could not stand him. Every time he was on the court, we were doing worse. He missed every fucking shot. He was just cringing. I, 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 I couldn't stand him. But this year, I watch him and I'm like, all right, he, he's acceptable. He makes threes sometimes. He's a know? poor man, OG and newbie. Yeah, that's basically what he is. Yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. Like he's acceptable. Grant Williams, I think, is taking a step back. Like I said, or very least, not taking a big step forward. He's a better shooter this year, but defensively, he's just not making nearly the same impact. But it's like I said, like we miss a Gordon Hayward type. We don't need a guy as good as him. We just need a guy to to fill that role, and I think we'll be a much much better team. Right. But well. Until- well uh- Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this roster has to play better. Right. Well, I was going to say, you know who would have been, a, you know who would have been a really great pickup for you guys if you, unfortunately, had you known he would have been good as Nicholas Batum, who's playing pretty good for the Clippers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of thought about that because do you remember the Hornets thing was a sign and trade? So technically, we could have agreed to take Batum back. But then again, how the hell could we have known he was going to be this good? Like, right. No one knew that. Everyone thought he was cooked. Yeah, I mean, listen, he was a good player in Portland, and he had a one good year in Charlotte, but just injuries just destroyed him and stuff. And I thought yeah. he was washed, but I guess when you're playing, I mean, I guess because you know the the burden of not having to be the 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 best player on the team, I guess, is working for him. I mean, like if you look at the Clippers, maybe Lou Will is an option for you guys. I don't know if you still be down for that. Mm. I mean, here's the thing about I don't think like. The thing about Peyton Pritchard is he's kind of eliminated the need for a guy like Lou Williams. Like the mm-hmm. last the last few years we really needed a guy like Lou Williams. I feel like this year we don't really I feel like we need a guy next to Pritchard that can just handle the ball and play defense. Gotcha. Yeah, like gotcha. we don't really like if Pritchard is making shots, he kind of fills that role. And he does that a lot of games. Like I said, like let me let me go to Pritchard. Like and that's another thing. Losing Pritchard and having to play Teak really hurt this team, which I never thought I would say before the season. <laughs> but, just been that kind of year, huh? Yeah, it's been weird. Pritchard's all right. Pritchard's game log, right? He had mm-hmm. he had this season, he had three, seven, thirteen, ten, eight, zero, five, twenty-three, six, eleven, sixteen, three, three, zero. He got hurt in that game, the MCL's brain. Mm-hmm. 8, 12, 3, 22. So, like, it's it's a lot of good and a it's lot been of rookie. It's rookie, rookie numbers. Yeah, you can't expect him to be great every night. Now, ironically, he's his only two 20-point games this year are against the Raptors. But <laughs> uh, but he, I guess he just gets up for playing short guards. He's like, great, now I don't have anybody tall to guard me. Um, <laughs> but it's it, the point, you can't rely on him every night. You just need someone that can give some sort of threat, like, like a George Hill, per se. Um, right. We've talked for almost an hour about the Celtics. Jeez. Uh, but, um, point is, is well, that 
and we'll talk. I will talk about the Knicks for like a little bit, but um, obviously Paul can't join tonight. Uh, but I just, at the end of the day, I, I I didn't yell as much as I thought I would, but I'm very upset at this team. A lot of times, they are just not fun to watch. A lot of the time, my brother actually said last night, he's like, you know, watching the Knicks this year might be better than watching this. <laughs> and, uh, wow. <laughs> and like, and now listen, my brother's a very negative fan sometimes, as am I. <laughs> you know that. Um, but as we all are, as we all are. Yeah, like it's just it's very it's very frustrating when you watch a team one night that looks great and the next night they look like dog shit. And I I can't stand them though when they play like this. And now the Pacers have tied them. I mean the Celtics have the tiebreaker. Um but are barely they have one more loss, so we're ahead of them. But now it puts pressure on us to actually go and take care of business in Washington tomorrow. And then day games this year, like you saw with the Knicks, we are fucking garbage. Oh, oh. So day games this season, we have let me see. The, I, think, I think the Knicks barely, are like three and one in day barely, game, which is surprising. Yeah, the Knicks are built for the day game. I don't get it. <laughs> uh but Detroit, we beat Detroit barely by two. Uh, we, let's see, we lost to New York. We lost, or we beat, we did beat Cleveland by a lot. Um, we lost to, I'm missing a lot of them. I know I am. Um, we lost to Phoenix and, uh, I missed one. I know there's a day game in there that I just totally forgot about. Um, yeah, I get it. This teammate fully healthy. Yeah, I get it. Uh, career shooting nights. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Win the game. Stop making excuses. Jason Tatum played 41 minutes on the second of a back-to-back. Jason T- Jalen Brown is playing with knee tendonitis in his knee. Which and in my opinion, I'm, I, I'm very hesitant about playing him through that, and I'm not huge on it. Um, right. That's 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 like a that's a chronic injury too. You know, knee tendonitis well, can get worse. Tendonitis is kind of a. You know that that we did. To be fair, we sat Tatum for two games. You know, mm-hmm. like we did. It's not like Jalen played every game, but it's just you know it, this team literally can't afford to lose either of them, or they're fucked, and it's very frustrating. And until they fix that, they're just not a very fun team to watch. I, I don't know what to expect against the Wizards. We could easily lose tomorrow. I would not be surprised. And then we could easily beat Denver, for all I know. I don't know. I don't know about this team anymore. I don't get it. I'm I'm fed up. I'm done. Done. Get someone. Trade people. Play Neesmith. Trade Neesmith. I don't know. I don't give a shit. Just do something. Let's talk about the next. Um, <laughs> well... Well, as you started the podcast talking about how you hate watching the season and you're extremely annoyed and irritated, I'm very excited and enjoy watching basketball. <laughs> now, now again, I don't want to jump the gun as typical Knicks fans do. I'm still waiting for the inevitable, uh, like uh, like twelve game losing streak that knocks us out the playoffs, and we're gonna all be pissed and annoyed. But for the time being, I'm very excited at what I'm seeing. I'm extremely surprised at how well the Knicks are playing and it's 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 
it's the veterans who are playing well. It's the young guys who are playing well. And the young guys have been a little inconsistent here and there, but that's normal. Um, Emmanuel quickly is a machine. He is a dog. He's a fucking monster. And I'm so happy that we got him. It has to be the steal of this draft. And hopefully he continues to develop. And when, you know, when they, when they trade for Derrick Rhodes, I was kind of annoyed because his last thing with us was horrible. And I didn't, and I didn't mention this. I probably haven't mentioned this, but that was probably the the year I hated watching the Knicks the most. Was that year we had Derrick Rose, Courtney Lee, Carmelo Anthony, Porzingis, and Joe Kim Noah because that team played no defense, Nick. I mean, I remember constantly being irritated by how bad their defense was. And you could you tell Derrick Rose game winning three by Marcus Smart. I'll never yes. that. Okay. But but it was funny because I was watching highlights of Derrick Rose that year and because I wanted to see like, oh yeah, like I haven't been watching Derrick Rhodes. I was like, let me see. I forgot, like, I forgot what he, how good he was. And, like, he was playing great, but the highlights are down by, like, 30 in every game. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, what's the point of this? Um, also, side note, I actually, my very first Knicks game, it was the Knicks against the Bulls in 2011 in Derrick Rose's MVP season. And he had a, he had a, he had a fast break uh, double clutch dunk that was fucking phenomenal, Nick. I mean, if I could describe it, dude, I never seen a human be that fast. He was literally like a cheetah on the floor, dude. It was amazing, and yeah, I'm so Derek happy. Rose had some. I mean, I'm happy. Was healthy. Woo, woo. I'm happy that I could say to my kids, if I ever have any, that I saw Derrick Rose in his MVP season live at the Garden. That was phenomenal, and I also saw Scottie yeah. Pippen. I saw Scottie Pippen at the game. We said hi to him anyway. Back. <laughs> That's sick. That's so yeah. cool. Yes. Anyways, to get back to the Knicks. I'm very happy. I'm very excited. I was a little concerned with Derrick Rose when they traded for him because I thought he was going to take minutes from quickly, but instead he's taking Austin Rivers' minutes, which I'm happy about because Austin Rivers, as I expected, he'll have like five games in a row where he's like the best point guard in the league scoring-wise, and then he has like six games in a row where he just can't buy a bucket, and he's really hit that inconsistency mark right now. But, you know, we're in the playoff mix, which is surprising. Julius Randle is having a career year. He's been amazing. And they're playing pretty good. Like, everybody's playing well. So They're going to win tonight, uh, barring an insane collapse. Well, they uh, almost, it was almost a collapse because the, the Rockets came back. But, um, I mean, it, listen, if we make the playoffs, I'll be very excited. And, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say free agents are going to want to come here and play. I'm not going to say we're a player away. But I can see if we keep at this pace that this team could be hopefully in the playoff mix for the next couple of years. And again, I don't want to jump the gun because this happened in Minnesota with tips. He had a couple of young guys. He had Jimmy Butler on the team. They made the playoffs the first year and then they collapsed. So I'm still yeah. trying to be patient. I still want to wait. We have the Mavericks pick. We have our own pick. You know, we're still very far away, but what I'm seeing so far, it's fun to watch basketball again. And it's been hard the last couple of years. You know, and again, you know, everybody was clowning us for the Porzingis trade as they rightfully deserved to because that was an embarrassing trade because we didn't get Durant and Kyrie. But, you know, two years later, it's looking like, you know, maybe we won that trade. I don't it's know. how shit works. Although the Mavericks are playing much better now. Um, yes, yes. Which, which, which we probably all knew was going to happen. Like, same with Miami. Although right now Miami's losing to Utah. Speaking of Utah, like, they are just oh. fucking unbelievable dude i just i cannot believe how good they are 
whenever I watch them. Like, it just feels like they didn't change anything besides adding favors. And then Mike Conley just started playing a little better. And poof. You know, like, and, right. And you know what else? Bogdanovich, because he can be the, the, the playmaker who doesn't have to create for Donovan Mitchell, like, that I think is also really important. He's a hell of a player. Yeah, he's a great player. Their, their entire starting lineup, I mean, even with Conley out, they could just slide in Joe Ingles. And by the way, Joe Ingles had like eight free throws against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And someone said he hadn't taken eight free throws the entire season. He hadn't taken more than like four. Oh, oh those refs, baby. <laughs> no, it's, it's us. We're just such an undisciplined, fucking ridiculous, stupid team. And, and it's just so stupid and annoying and... Well, now hold on. Like, As you can now, see, this loss mentally broke me. <laughs> Wait, but to get back to the Knicks, though, that's my yeah. perspective. Outside perspective, what do you think of the Knicks? So what I saw from them, the game in Boston, I'll, I'll kind of start with that. Um, obviously, the Celtics played absolutely terribly that game. But one thing I was impressed about was it never felt like their effort was ever bad. It kind of felt like they went hard every possession. And I was very impressed by that. They kind of remind me of the 2019 Brooklyn Nets and that the, how they just won games purely on effort. They didn't really win on talent. But like you said, it may not appeal to the best free agents. It may not do that. But honestly, it kind of doesn't matter right now. Yes, the Knicks, if they keep this up, are not going to get a top flight player. But honestly, if... To win in the NBA now, it feels more and more like tanking just doesn't work. And you kind of got to, you know, you got to start winning at some point to appeal to to players, not just stars, but like mid-tier free agents, you know, like, right. like that's what the Nets did. And that's how they got Katie and Kyrie over the Knicks. And I think the Knicks realized this and hired Thibodeau, which me and you, like I said, we're not, we are not huge on the hire when it happened. We both said Kenny Atkinson would have been better, but right. it's hard to argue with it now because Tibbs has really gotten the most out of this team. And if they get to the playoffs, I think he's coach of the year. And oh, absolutely. And I think the Emmanuel quickly pick has been unbelievable. Oh, that kid, that yeah. kid reminds me of Lou Williams. Yeah, he's got, and he uh, saw that moment where he kind of dapped up Lou Williams, and yeah, he said, you, know, he, Dad, yeah, you learn more about your team and wins than and losses than wins. That's how I look at yes. it, right? And yes. in that game against the Clippers, I was on the train. I was in Boston. Mm-hmm. I was on the train, and I was mm-hmm. kind of falling on my phone because I knew you were going to text me about it. And yeah. <laughs> and and I just kind of following the game, and I'm like, wow, the Knicks are still in the game. And I was like, you know, normally by this point, the Clippers would be up like 20 in previous years. But, like, despite the Clippers shooting lights out, like, the Knicks were just right there. You know, like, they really – and I kind of watched that team and thought, you know, I watched that game and I thought, you know, maybe they really are, like, this good. You know, they are no joke. And that if they had Madison Square Garden, which is one of the best home court advantages in the league, that maybe they would be even firmer, deeper into the playoffs. Um, and maybe, maybe it'd be worse. I don't know. Uh, probably, I think it would be better for them. Um, but this Knicks team, I, I watched them. I was questioning the Derrick Rose trade when I saw it. Absolutely, and, but he's been and phenomenal. Believe me, believe me, losing to Dennis Smith Jr. last night was just dandy. 
as he oh, he played you know, for he played did he play yeah, well? he played that that just made it so much better it just made me it just getting cooked by delon right to uh, all right i'm stopped talking about this um the the obi toppin pick over halliburton looks a little questionable right now but then again they pick quickly anyway um, right and you know obi was hurt obi was hurt uh, early in the year, so he's kind of getting back into them. He's playing a lot better now, and also because Derrick Rose actually passing him the ball, so he's getting more <laughs> touches. I'm yeah, not, I, I'm not worried about him. I think he'll be okay. The point is, I watch the Knicks, and I think this is just like they 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 give me that Nets vibe. They do like they just play really hard, and they beat so many teams. Oh. In, in this, oh. What? Sorry, Obi just caught a nasty lob. Really. Oh my God! Yes, he is a crazy athlete. That's for sure. Um, and that's why I think he's. I still believe. I still. I really liked him in the draft. But um, I think. I I, I think this Knicks team. If they they, I think they definitely have a chance at the playoffs. Like you said, they could bottom out at any point. But the at very least, this team has given Knicks fans some belief. That you know we're go- they're going in the right direction because they are not thirteen and fifteen talent wise. Let's be real, they're not. And mm-hmm. the fact that they're at this point is impressive. And and listen, man, if you wouldn't mind trading us Alec Burks because our <laughs> offense is so bad, I I that would be Danny. Now to make a specific point of the Celtics game. The Celtics kind of qu- that was a rare game where we actually kind of qu- I, I feel like that actually doesn't happen that often uh, in terms of like just quitting in a game basically. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the Knicks like it, it just kind of felt like they just didn't really uh, the Celtics didn't really want to play with the effort the Knicks did, and it's like games like that which shows the value playing hard in the regular season. Do I think if the Knicks make the playoffs they're going to win even more than a game in the playoffs? No, Probably no, not. No. But if they make it as the eight seed, all right, you're a treadmill team. They'll say, oh yeah, yeah. There's value in that. Seriously, like it, you're trying to get better as a team, then this upcoming free agent class, if you're trying to make the playoffs again, you might be like, hey, this mid-tier free agent, you know, is interested in you. The Hawks, you know, like think of it this way. The Hawks spent how much money in free agency? It, upwards of 50, 60 million at least in contracts, 70 million maybe. The Knicks, are, the Knicks are two games better than the Hawks in the win column. And the we Knicks have picks. The Knicks don't have a Trey Young. The Knicks don't have a guy who's that good. They have RJ Barrett, who's very promising. They have Obi Toppin, who's very promising. They have Emmanuel Quickly, it's very promising. But they don't have Robinson's a guy like Trey Young. Too. Right, right. They don't have a right. guy like that. They don't. And honestly, the Hawks roster, in my opinion, is a lot more talented than the Knicks roster. But the Knicks are a bit ahead of them, and the reason? So they're playing harder. They're playing better. They're playing more cohesive cohesively um and i think if you're a knicks fan this you should be very proud of what you've seen so far and honestly it, more than anything i think it stuck out in almost being the heat too i know the heat are not as good as they were last year but it was a hell of a game though that was a fun game to watch <laughs> yeah like it was a great back and forth game and all you guys needed was a Peyton Pritchard to hit the game where no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was back when the Celtics were good. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I just think that's all I got, really. I mean, I think I think you should consider getting rid of some of these guys on the roster. I think Kevin Knox is kind of 
gotten to a point yeah. where it might yeah. be to let him go. Same thing with uh, Frank, probably. I would say. Yeah, I was I was surprised Frank wasn't traded for Rose. I'm like, if you're trading for Rose, it's obviously for Frank, right? I mean, he's a contract extension eligible player. He's behind in the depth chart. Right. Well, now I heard rumors that they didn't want to trade more because they want to trade for somebody else, and I hope they they don't do that. I'd rather them be patient with the team. Like, I'll be okay if they keep this team intact right now this year, and then. With the two draft picks they have, draft people, and then you see what free agency does for you. Like, I feel like we should be still be patient and wait before we blow the load on like a Bradley Beal, which I don't want Bradley Beal on this team because I don't, I don't think he moves the needle. In no, my opinion, no, at no, least. no, no. Well, no, listen, I, I, I'm the big, I'm a big Bradley Beal fan. I used to not be, but I think him on the Knicks wouldn't make any sense. It just, he, the chances of him resigning in New York are pretty low. They're probably right. not going to trade him anyway, so it doesn't matter. Oh, now, no. Sorry, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, a player that I feel like would fit well with Tibbs, and that's probably not going to happen because he had like two more years on his contract, is like Kawhi. I feel like he would fit perfectly with the Tibbs. Well, he'd type. fit perfectly with any team. But... Not true, true. Um, no, no, it, the, the Knicks... They should. You're right. I I would not trade picks for just this year, guys. It it to me, if you're trading for Derrick Rose like they did, they gotta resign him. But is it really worth it to resign him? I, I don't really know, especially when you have a manual quickly. Uh, um, I mean, like it, I, they had. He's coming off the bench. Like he's okay as a bench guy and a mentor for the young guys. So I'm not completely mad about it. He's only playing 20 minutes a game, and I feel like he's a serviceable sixth or seventh man. Um, for the long run, though, I don't know. You're right. It's like there, there's promise, but it's kind of like they're stuck in limbo because, like, I don't know what they can do to get better, and I don't know what they can do, and I don't know if they can get worse. You know what I mean? Like, there's not really like, like if Giannis was still available, then you could say like, oh, maybe we could that was, sign him. Yeah, I mean the Giannis thing, and look, look at what the Giannis pursuit has done to those teams. The Raptors, the Heat, they're all underachieving mm-hmm. this season. And right. and so the Knicks throwing themselves into that would have been a bad idea, obviously. Right. Um, now, in terms of getting better, here's what I think the Knicks should do. They shouldn't trade any first. No way, unless you can get a yeah. guy who has at least three or four years left, would want to be in New York, and would be okay or be be a good fit for that number one option. You know? like right. You get a guy like that, perfect. You could trade a top 10 pick for that top 15 pick. I think that's fair. Um, but think of this, like the Celtics were in a very similar spot in 2014, 15 because we made it at the bottom of the first round, but we also had the Nets pick. So it's different, but that one year we didn't. So the Celtics almost traded up for justice Winslow. That would have been Danny's worst move ever. Yes. Um, I just think, um, but we drafted Terry Rozier when everyone thought we were going to pick Portis, which I mean, either would have been fine, but like, and listen, I, I hate Rozier for what he did in eighteen nineteen, but that pick was a great pick and it took a while, but I think the Knicks, if I'm the Knicks, you should be trying to pick because you've got a, a lot of good role player type guys. Emmanuel quickly might hit stardom. We don't know. But mm-hmm. the place you should be aiming high. To me, if I'm the Knicks, I'm picking the biggest boomer bust guy in the draft you can get, and trying to build up from there. And in the short term, sign one year, two year contracts, just right. like the Nets did. 
get players right. like who's who's gonna be a free agent this summer? Let me see. Do not, <laughs> Do not sign John Collins. That would be a stupid move. No, because I mean Julius Randle's already doing that, and we have Julius on a friendlier contract because he he's here for another year, and then he has a team option which they can Kawhi, decline. Chris Paul, um, no. Blake Griffin, no way. You, Hell actually, no. you know what? Blake Griffin would be good if you get him for one year, but then again, and of course, last night when he shoots terribly from three, he he goes three for six against the Celtics. Of course, of course. Um, Victor Oladipo has been terrible since he got to Houston. Um, uh, I heard I heard rumors they were going to trade for him, but I don't want him. Like yeah, stay away, I, I stay away from Zach Levine. Stay away from Bradley Beal. Stay away from Victor Oladipo. I don't think. I think Oladipo is good on a player. Like on, if if you get Oladipo on a prove it deal, that's good. But if you get him on like a multi year deal, I don't. Unless it's a team option. Like to me, if I were the Knicks, I would go to Oladipo and say, okay, two years, forty million team option. That's my offer. Yeah, similar to what they did with Julius. They gave him a three year and the last year of the team option. So. Yeah, like and and Randall, I mean, his first year sucked in New York. I think we can both agree on that. And his second yes. year has lived up to the contract, surprisingly, and to the point where he, I think Randall has value. If like if the Knicks just decided to blow it up and and decide to trade Randall, which I I don't think they're going to do at this point, obviously, considering they traded for Derrick Rose. Um, right. But like if they did, then they could probably get a first from somebody. Uh, it would probably be a late first, but you could probably get someone. Uh, Drew Holiday's going to resign with um, Milwaukee. With the Milwaukee. Kyle Lowry, I don't think it's going to happen. Andre Drummond, I don't really think it's a good idea. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like this, John this Collins, is... no. Spencer Dinwiddie might not be the worst idea, um, even though he's hated on so many Knicks fans. LaMarcus Aldridge, I don't really think is worth it anymore. Dennis no. Schroeder's going to resign with the Lakers. Uh, maybe not. Lonzo Ball could be a great Lonzo Ball could be a great like fix him type player, but I don't think he's ever going to be just what he should. Although he's had a very good last week, actually. Demar Derozan is kind of another prove it guy. Um, I'm just going through. Them. Mike Conley's going to resign in Utah. Right. Mont- Montrez Harrell uh, is going to probably. I don't think he's going to go. In, yeah, I, I, I guess I could see Harrell in New York, but it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Serge yeah. Ibaka is going to resign it with the Clippers, right? Basically, right. Basically, I wouldn't put. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't put money towards any of those guys. I'd here's wait the, another here's year. One. Here's one that if I'm the Knicks, I'm making a major offer sheet to, mm-hmm. just to at least fuck with Miami. That's Duncan Robinson. Like Duncan Robinson's really but, young, so so I would offer him three years. 60 million team option third year. And I know it seems like too much, but you're putting Miami in a major bind if you do that. It, because they, at that point, they have to match it. And if he gets 20 million, that's going to screw them. That's true. Oh, but they might not match it. And then we are going to be stuck with Duncan Robinson. <laughs> I mean, Duncan Robinson's pretty good. Duncan Robinson has had, I mean, he's not been as good as this season. By the yeah. way, he's are down 13 now to Utah. Utah just absolutely, they're on a back to back and they're still just absolutely shutting Miami down. That's fucking crazy. Um, um, yeah, the point wow. is, there's a lot of guys on this team, on this Knicks team, I look at, and I'm like, these are actually keepers, which is rare, <laughs> considering the Knicks. Alfred Payton's one of those guys, I don't I don't think that. Um, 
I think Noel and Alec Burke coming off the bench is a good bench unit. Like those guys are pretty decent. Was Alec Burke's a one year contract or two year contract? One year. Everybody, okay, so- yeah, everybody's on a one year besides RJ, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox. Those guys still have a couple of years on their team deals. Are they're on yeah. the rookie contracts? Yeah, Manuel quickly 22, 4, 2, 7 of 9 from field, 4 for 6 from 3. He was off fire. He's really Wait, good. No, no, he's- now, Nick, I got to tell you this crazy stat. So, in the three games since the Knicks acquired Derrick Rose, the Knicks bench has outscored opponents by 74 points. That's I crazy. Mean, that's I mean, like Derrick Rose. Like on off numbers. That's bananas. Like they they have like fifty points off the bench. And Derek Rose, Emmanuel quickly, Alec Burks, Obi Toppin have been playing tremendously. Tremendously. And obviously Mitch broke his hand because Noel would come off the bench and he's fifth in blocks this year, which is crazy. But Todd Gibson really picked up the load already. It's great to see. Yeah, like it's by the way, the Nets finally this this is one of those Nets games where they came out and like looked like what they could be, obviously. The blowout yeah, but they're playing the Warriors. It's like, of course, they're going to play good against like, the good teams. I was kind of saying this to my brother. It almost feels like the Celtics have played their best this year against like teams like the Warriors, like middling playoff teams, right? Because they don't dog it like they did against the Pistons, but they mm-hmm. but they play like hard enough. Like This is their wins this season. They beat the Bucks opening night. They beat the Pacers. They beat the Grizzlies. They beat Detroit. They beat Toronto, Miami. Washington, Orlando, Cleveland, Chicago, Golden State, Clippers, and Toronto again. Like they, those are all basically middling playoff teams, you know, or right. borderline playoff teams. That's when they play their best. Best. So when we play Washington, great, not a middling playoff team. Great. <laughs> maybe, Here's maybe a panic. Four hundred on us. All right. But yeah, that, just to kind of finish the discussion today, like. If I'm the Knicks, I kind of look at it like you don't have to draft high every year. Like everyone thinks that's the way to go, and it kind of hasn't worked for them. But let's be honest. They've been in the top 10. They picked Frank Nielakina. They picked Porzingis and then moved him. Um, obviously, they thought they were going to get Katie and Kyrie out of that. But like you said, they might have moved on from him at the right time, uh, considering he's got paper bag knees, or at least it seems like he does. Right. And now the problem the problem with years before Nick is that we were bad but we didn't have our picks because we kept trading for other people's players. So they actually have their picks this now. So that's why I'm happy that we do have top picks because we never used to. But you're right, we do kind of like swing and miss on guys like Frank who instead of taking Frank, we should have took Donovan Mitchell. Instead of taking Kevin Knox, we should have took Michael Porter like I wanted them to. Yeah, and I think um I think I think the Knicks have made so many draft mistakes to this point. I mean, granted, they, their last draft looks very good, but I mean, they made a lot of mistakes. So, uh, I think I think trading a first, yeah, like you said, is a bad idea. But you only, but you gotta. I don't know. I, I guess how to say like I think they had to stay. I think they had to stay put and wait to see what disgruntled star there is and if it's worth it. Like, if a yeah. Kawhi gets disgruntled or, I don't know. You, well, Kawhi's going to be a free agent, but yeah. Right. Oh, so, that's, so then I would say wait for that because we don't want – I don't want this team to, to hit the Carmelo button here where they say, <laughs> okay, let's get a Carmelo, give up the entire farm, half of those picks become good players, and then you've screwed yourself because uh, two of those picks became Jamal Murray and Gary Harris were contributing to the Denver Nuggets and their success. Thanks. Would have been nice to have those guys on our team too. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, all right, so I'll, I'll say this. I think the Knicks should go, like I said, the kind of 15-16 Celtics route, which is pick a, get sign a lot of one-year deals, you right. know, guys who are decent contributors, and keep aiming high in free agency. You never know. The Celtics in 2016 got a meeting with Kevin Durant and, and landed Al Horford. I mean, and if you believe True Hoop and Ramona Shelburne that, you know, despite KD saying his number two choice was Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. I mean, she claimed that executives told her that we were number two or whatever. I mean, but the point is, is that we got a chance to do it. If you're the Knicks, just keep signing one of your guys, gaining, you know, keep hoarding cap space and aim high for agency. I mean, what's what the, and then keep, like you said, don't make any drastic draft moves or drastic trades unless it makes sense. Like I think in a few years, Carl Anthony Towns might ask out and obviously he, he would be a pretty decent fit in New York, but the problem is obviously with Mitchell Robinson, is that worth it? Yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, but a guy like him, someone of that caliber, I'm not saying Carl Anthony Towns, but just well, someone. You got to aim for, you got to aim for like the Anthony Davis level star. You can't yeah. go for like you can't go for the Victor Oladipo. No, player. yeah, because that's what the they did before when they traded two first round picks for Andre Barniotti. Like oh, it's God, they can't do that. Thanks for reminding and me about that. I, <laughs> I do think Leon Rose so far has shown to be fairly competent. Um, I mean, he got two second round picks out of Ed Davis, who didn't play a single minute for us. <laughs> Yeah, and he's on a Timberwolves team that is horrendous. Um, by the way, I'm sorry. I just D-Lo, D-Lo. <laughs> no, I don't know D-Lo. I don't Honestly, know how D-Lo, D-Lo might be one of those. Like, if you could get him for cheap, it might not be a bad idea, too. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's, I think that's all we got. I mean... If you want to hear me bitch and moan about the Celtics, Scott, I just hope, I just hope, I just hope we don't lose too And if you want to hear me be excited about the Knicks for once in my 24 years of living, please join us on the next podcast. I hate this season. <laughs> I just want to say, too, I just want to say, too, that that quote that James Harden said was like, the situation I was in in Houston every single night having to get 40 points to give us a remote chance like that's what you wanted, dude. Those were the rosters you wanted. I wish, uh, I, I wish Paul was here so I can make fun of the Nets for how how nuclear that situation is. But if I do that, then they're gonna end up winning fifteen games in a row, and then everybody's gonna crown them as the world champions, like they did well, after they won two games in a row. Hey, they're like us. They lost to the Pistons. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. The last thing, the last thing we gotta say because it, this is pissing me off with these stupid ass, some stupid ass NBA fans. Who say defense doesn't you, defense doesn't matter in the league anymore, bro? Defense doesn't matter. What the hell are you talking about? The in best a seven game series. In a seven game series, you are not going to shoot over fifty percent. Which is why, if the Nets have to play somebody, let's say like Philadelphia, I'll throw them out there. Basically, yeah. if the Nets have to play somebody who can defend them well or can score with them, and they go cold, they have no chance of beating a team in a seven game series because after no, yeah, yeah. you. You're playing. You're playing in a series, which means that the team has scouting reports on you. They know what you're gonna do. They know your strengths or weaknesses. It it gets harder in the playoffs. You have to play defense, and this is what pisses me off about the league nowadays. It's like 
the league just doesn't care about defense anymore. They want the the, the highlight plays, the offense, the dude, the dunks, I'll all this stuff. This it's like, bro, come on. Celtics have clearly been very, very frustrated by referees this season because mm-hmm. the way they play defense is a lot of hand checking, to be honest with you. And yeah, when that gets called a lot, like Tatum and Brown have been very frustrated with the officiating at times, way more than I've seen. Uh, and and you want to talk, talk about defense too before we go. We talked because we talked about Utah and how good they've been. They're twenty-one and five. They went seventeen and eighteen. They're up nineteen on the Miami Heat right now. The Miami Heat didn't score in the third quarter for the first six minutes. This is the Heat. I know they're not as good as last year, but, but they're still, still, but still, the team that went to the finals. Yeah, like they held them scoreless on a back-to-back for six minutes. Like that's crazy. The, the Jazz, I don't know if they're... They might just be a regular season team, for all we know. It's very possible. But, we don't know, yeah. Like, you know, but another like, thing like that, you really envy because they just guard, man. They just guard. Right, you know, right. Every night. And you know what? Like, the Knicks, for instance, I think we've held, like, six or seven teams to under 100 points, which is fantastic. <laughs> I can't believe we've actually done that. Yeah, they're like oh, by the way, defensive rating or something like that. Number two or three in my. I think we're number? second. I think we're second in defensive rating, which is unbelievable. Also, it took us forty-four games to win our twelfth game last year. We already have thirteen wins this year. <laughs> hey, we were thirty-five and fifteen last year, and we're thirteen and twelve this year. Woo! <laughs> we're top five in both offensive and defensive rating last year. We are eleventh in offensive rating this year. We are fifteenth in defensive rating this year. Oh man, I'm just ready to jump off the Zakum Bridge, the Longfellow Bridge, is the bridges in Boston, the whatever bridge it is for this team. They just, they just, they just make just me go to the extreme, man. They, they just make me want to cry, man. And I know I'm not even in the worst situation as a team because we're still in fourth because the East is sucked. Thank God. Yeah, dude. But, and honestly. Personally, I would rather be in fourth than second or third. I don't want to face the Bucks or um, the Nets in round you guys, two. You guys, you guys do but, want Philly, so. Yeah, that's the thing. And when I see Philly fans talk shit to us, I'm like, what can you talk shit about? We have been in five straight playoff series since 19. They haven't been in a playoff series. They've had five attempts at it since 1982. They had Allen Iverson against Paul Pierce. They had Allen Iverson. This is the year after they went to the finals. They still lost to us. Like. This was and, that Atlantic oh, rivalry. Yeah, like the it, Nets, it, the 76ers, the Celtics, and the Raptors. And apparently, hey, if the Knicks make the playoffs, I mean, I know they're not like really in there, but like, hey, the Knicks are in the seventh seed. If the season ended today, they'd be facing Milwaukee. That would probably be a sweep, but just even From the Knicks, it, we beat them by 30 this year. Hey, hey, man. No, I mean, listen, listen, the way the season is going, and I know we keep saying this is the last thing we're going to say, and we keep adding to it. The way the season is going, I won't be surprised if the 10th seed gets into the playoffs in the little tourney and beats the number one seed. It could happen. It really could. Yeah, it's just one of those weird years, and I hate it because the Celtics are trash. And they start off so – like, our peak of the season was when we were 7-3 and three and Taco Fall banked and uh, – he stepped on the line, but it was basically a three. And I absolutely lost my mind. And seeing that live, we were all like, we're back, baby. No one can stop Taco. Honestly, we should play Taco more, like just to kind of fuck with the other team. Because it's not like we're good on defense anyway. So, like, 
might as well at this point. I don't fucking care. I fucking hate this. <laughs> um, all right. All right. For the BX Basketball Podcast, this is Nick Englander here with. Christian, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>